right, everybody, welcome to New Life. How's everybody doing today? Do we love Jesus today? Man, I hope you do. I hope you do, right? Uh, that's a game changer. Loving Jesus is a game changer for your life. And staying consistent in loving Jesus and continuing to dig that well of loving Jesus deeper and deeper is a game changer in your life. It's really uh, the heart of new life. It's what we're all about. Uh, we want people to find Jesus and we want their lives to be changed by him. And that's not just a one-time change, is it? Right? And those of you that have been in, in, the, in the walk of your spiritual journey for a while, you know it's not a one-time change, right? It's multiple changes, right? And then when you think you've changed it all, guess what the Holy Spirit does? He shows you where more things can be tweaked so that we think more like God, we love more like God, we live more like what God designed for you and me to live. That's where we're going today with this brand new series just called James. So if your name is James, which I'm, I know of one, this, this series is not about you. Um, it is about the book of James and what was written there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into that in just a minute. However, there had been something that God placed on my heart over a year ago for our church and uh, it, it just was one of those thoughts and ideas that needed to be kind of worked on. Um, it needed to be kind of developed a little bit. And then we needed to have the right moment to really release it. Now is the right moment to release this. And um, I, I just simply call it READ. Um, it is an acronym that uh, I was just, you know, just thinking about all of us and God's Word and how we could apply it to our lives. And I thought, you know what? There, there is this acronym that really stands out to me. We need to read Scripture. We need to evaluate Scripture. We need to uh, apply Scripture. But then we also need moments where we can discuss Scripture together. And, um, and so I, I wanted to roll out for you a really special kind of an introductory trial run of this READ uh, program, if I can kind of put it that way, this READ group, where I'm inviting you to join with me. And what we're going to do is for everybody that signs up, we're going to, we're going to send out a, a, a text to you on Tuesday morning between 4 and 4.30 in the morning, and then on Thursday morning between 4 and 4.30 in the morning, and you're going to get this text. Please don't wake up right then and answer it, all right, unless you're already up. But it will be the scripture reading for that day. And then what I want you to do is somewhere in the middle of that day, whether it's in the morning, the, the noontime, or the evening, I want you to read that scripture. But I don't want you to just read it. I, I want you to also do the E and the A. I want you to evaluate it, where basically you're saying, Holy Spirit, what is it that you're trying to say to me in this scripture? And then I want you to do the A. I want you to apply it. So in light of what you're saying to me, what do, what do I need to do with this right now? Okay, and then that's going to happen on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Then Thursday night, you'll get, a, you'll get another notification somewhere Thursday afternoon. Um, you'll be invited to a Zoom call with me where I'm going to moderate a room um, at 7 p.m. for about 30 minutes or so. And we're just really going to have an opportunity where I'm the moderator. I'm not going to be the theologian. I'm not going to be the, the pastor that's giving all this instruction. I'm not preaching another sermon. I'm going to moderate the room, and we are going to collaborate together, and we're going to share what it is that we're evaluating from these two Scripture readings this week and how we are applying this Scripture reading this week. 
Okay, and I'm just going to moderate it. And here's what we're literally going to do. We're going to do what the Bible says, where iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, where it talks about we are to spur or to encourage or to inspire one another on to love and to good deeds. We are literally going to do that as a body. And this is a trial run. We're going to do it through the book of James. So if you want to be a part of it, then scan the QR code at all of our campuses or text the word READ to the number that's on the screen. And if you'll do that, then you'll get signed up and we'll start sending you that information every Tuesday, every Thursday for the next six weeks. And then we'll see where we go from there. Okay. So all of this really hinges on your involvement and your desire to be a part of a corporate thing of reading God's Word together. Now look, uh, I'm hoping to teach you and to instruct you that this is how you should be reading God's Word all the time. Read it, evaluate it, and apply it. The unique thing about read, though, is that we get a chance to discuss it as a body. And that's the piece that you're not going to get, right, when you just do a devotion um, online or through version. You, you, need that, you need that discussion moment. You need the opportunity to share. This is what I sense God's saying. Okay? Are you with me so far? All right. I hope you are. So sign up right now. All right? Feel free to take your phone. I know that that QR code's gone. Uh, but uh, you can also go to MyNewLifeChurch.com and you can get more information about it. So the book of James. If you got your Bible... Um, have it open uh, to James chapter 1. We'll dive into that in just a minute. But James, it's really this look at how faith is the glue that holds our lives together. And that when our faith, when our faith, you know, starts to waver, then our life starts to shake, right? And it starts to shatter and things really start to kind of fall apart. But that, but that every day that we live on this earth is a battle. And the battle is for our faith, whether our faith is going to remain in God or our faith is going to transition like it does so quickly to a self-reliance, a self-faith. And some days are much easier than others when it comes to this battle of faith. And I think we all have probably discovered that in one way or another. So James, uh, James is a book that focuses primarily on the condition of your faith. It becomes literally a, uh, an instruction manual for your faith and how we are to live out a Christ-centered faith in this world that we live in. But I know this about manuals. We don't like manuals. When you buy something new and it comes with a manual, right, many of you, you don't read it. You just plug in whatever the new device is and you would rather, you know, self-discover mode, right? If you're anything like me, you like self-discover. And in your self-discover mode, if you, fig if you realize you run up against a wall, you'll beat your head against that wall for quite a while until you're frustrated enough that you open up the manual, right? But don't nudge anybody next to you. Because, you know, Carney, Norplatt, Ogallala, and online is full of these people. How do I know this? Because we're human, all right? And this is what humans like to do. We don't like the manual. We want self-discovery. But I am going to say this. In your Christian walk, in this pursuit of Christ, in this desire to have faith come alive inside of you that transforms your life, we can't do that on our own. We are in need of a manual. Okay, are you with me on that? We need, we need a manual. God's word is the manual. So what we want to do as we jump into the series is that we're going to look at James chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at James chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 8. So let's look at that together. It says, this letter is from James, a slave of God 
and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm writing, so look who he's writing to. I'm writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. And then he says this, greetings. So this book is being written to believers. All right, verse two. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for what? Great joy. Great joy. That just seems a little crazy to me. Uh, when you first read it, but it makes total sense as you dig into it, which we will discover today. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, then you'll be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty, verse 8, and the last one we're going to look at today, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. So what I want to do is I want to go back to verse 2. And I want us to start in verse 2, and let's look what it says there. It says, dear brothers and sisters, what does it say? Read it with me. When troubles of any kind come your way. Let's, let's look at that. When troubles of any kind come your way. You know, here, here's what that tells me just right off the bat. And it may not be the, the best news to start a sermon out with, right? But troubles are going to come your way. And uh, if you've lived on this earth, you know, for a few days then you, you all have, then you've discovered troubles do keep coming our way. Some people think, though, that, hey, look, trouble should stop if, you know, my life is right with God. Like, if I just got everything perfectly hunky-dory with God, then troubles should stop. But I'm here to tell you today that loving God is not a free pass to get ourselves out of trouble, that trouble's going to keep coming. Why? Because we live on a broken planet. We live amongst human beings. We are a broken species, right? And we wound and we hurt each other. And we live on a world that has, you know, shifting, shifting components to it and things and tragedies and war like we're experiencing right now, right? Horrific things. Troubles are going to come. In Ukraine, troubles are coming down upon those who are the lovers of God and upon those who don't love God. You know, it's not like, you know, in a war zone that all of a sudden just believers in God are isolated away. I do believe that God works miracles. I do believe that. You look through history and you see God working miracles in the hearts of believers as they walk through troubled times. But many times troubles just keep coming. Troubles come in all forms, shapes, and sizes, physical. Look, we just have walked through horrific times on planet Earth with COVID-19. And trouble came to believers and it came to unbelievers. It had nothing to do with your sin or your purity. It was a virus. And unfortunately, we had people here at New Life that are no longer with us because of this tragic virus. We have others that discovered miraculous turnarounds in their life. You have friends and you have family, but troubles came on believers and unbelievers. Troubles come in emotional states as well. And right now, like, I would just say this, in our younger generations, which many of you maybe are not experiencing right now, like myself, but in our younger generations, social media is a massive emotional, you know, tool that's being used to stir up, 
you know, negative emotions in the hearts of our younger generations as they're constantly comparing themselves with others. There's this instantaneous response of, I put my post out there, how many people like it? Not enough people like it? Then my self-image about myself starts to diminish. How I see myself compared to my peers. When things happen in a community, a smaller community amongst my friends, and all of a sudden I see them, and they're out and they're having fun on Friday night, but I wasn't invited to go out. Social media is a great tool. I get it, right? It helps you stay connected to your grandchildren, um, as an example, all right? And I get, there's a lot more to it. I understand that, all right? It's just one of the things that my mom is right now going amen on. And so that's why I made the point, all right? Made the point so my mom would say amen, all right, at home. Um, but, I mean, look, it, it's a great tool, but yet it's, it's also this emotional tool that the enemy's using just to wrench at the hearts of people, so it, troubles come physical, emotional, but James also talks about troubles that come through persecution. And if you've had any sense of what is happening on planet Earth right now, then you will know that Christianity is getting crushed worldwide. Now, it's not getting beaten. It's not getting defeated. That's not what I mean by crushed. I'm talking about the hearts of leaders, dictators, right, other governmental levels, it's like there's an attack on Christianity and it's worldwide. And I would even venture to say that I could go as far as to say this, right? That every single person that's listening to this message right now is going to experience persecution at some level in their life if you haven't already, major or minor. That's just where we're at. History is telling us that persecution is on the increase. It's not on the decrease and the signs of the times are showing us that persecution is going to continue to rise. It's going to continue rising, and it's going to rise at alarming rates. And I'm not here to say that in like some kind of a scary way. I'm just here to tell you what James is talking about with the troubles and the trials to believers, right? A couple thousand years ago, it's still happening today. Even though we maybe went through a moment of reprieve, the enemy's never given up on crushing the message of Jesus Christ. So in light of all of the troubles, in light of all the troubles that you and me can ever face in this world, God instructs us with something in verse 2. He said this. He said, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Consider What? Like, consider, like when troubles come, I'm supposed to be giddy about it? No, that's not what he's saying. I'm supposed to just laugh at it like a comedian told a joke? No, of course not. Of course not. It's not a joy in the sense of the happiness that you think about. You know, we think about joy and we instantly go to this like earthly happiness. Like, well, man, if everything feels giddy and everything feels good and it's all light and I got no opposition against me and everybody's happy with every decision I make and I'm just laughing and my bank account is full and, you know, I haven't paid a doctor anything in years. I mean, I, wow, that's awesome. Joy is something much deeper than just earthly happiness. Joy, joy is something that comes from the security that we have in our relationship with the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Joy is something that's beyond me laughing or me not laughing. Joy is beyond that. Joy is a value, a virtue that is much deeper. And the only way that you and me can ever have the opportunity to experience and to express great joy in the midst of our troubles is when our faith is anchored in the fact that God's still in control, even though you're in the middle of trouble. When your faith is anchored that God's still in control, no matter what you're walking through, physical, emotional, or persecuted, 
That's how, that's how we maintain great joy, because we realize he's in control. We also maintain incredible faith when we realize that we're anchored in the fact that God is going to be the one that's going to see us through. You might feel caught right now, but you're not trapped forever. It might be night in the sense of trouble for you right now, but the sun is rising tomorrow. That God will see you through. I'm going to also tell you that you can experience great joy in the midst of your trouble when your faith is anchored in the fact that this world isn't your ending place, but it's your starting place. I mean, come on. This, isn't, this is not my ending place. This is, not where, this is not where it ends, guys. There is something beyond this. So even though the troubles of this life can come at times, right, and they can grab a hold of us, and it seems like they never let go, and for some of you, you're, you're here right now and you're like, man, it's like trouble grabbed a hold of me. And by the time I got rid of that one off my back, another one got on my back. And then another one got on my back. And you're thinking right now, is God against me? And I'm telling you, God's not against you. You're human and you're walking through a world full of trouble. But you need to know that God is in control. He's going to see you through. And this isn't where it ends, church. But another reason why you can anchor yourself in this faith Right? Another reason why you can um, hang on to or maintain great faith when you walk through troubled times is found in Psalms 34. Psalms 34. So let's divert out of James for a second. It says this, that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. The righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. I just want you to notice a couple of things here in this passage of Scripture, which, by the way, is written from God, God's own heart. Here's what he's saying. There's going to be moments when your, your troubles are so great that it feels like it breaks your heart. The Lord is going to be close to the brokenhearted. <laughs> Why would he say that? Why would he have to say that if we weren't going to go through times where it feels like our heart's broken? You're going to go through times when you're gasping for air you're going to go through times when you're wrestling with, you know, do you even want to wake up the next day? There's going to be moments, unfortunately, in all of our lives that are going to feel like it just breaks our heart. Um, I want you to also notice that there's going to be troubles that are going to come and they're going to crush your spirit. There's going to be times that happen in your life where you're going to see something about yourself that you don't like to see. There's going to be times when you're going to doubt God in the midst of your trouble because your spirit's getting crushed. There's going to be times when you're wrestling with God to really wrestle and hang on to the fact that God is good as you go through troubled times. There's going to be moments, if it weren't so, why would God write it in his word that he would rescue those whose spirits get crushed from their troubled times? And I want you to see this specifically, right, that it drove home this idea in the verse that we just read that the righteous person faces many troubles, that's important for us to understand, to delineate. Because there is a sect of Christianity that believes that you can live your life in such a way that all you will ever get from, from this life and from this world is blessing, 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 blessing. But God is the one who said it, and God is not a liar, that the righteous person is going to face not just troubles, but many troubles. Psalms 34, verse 19. That's what God says. It's not a curse upon humanity, right? It's just this reality 
that this is what we're going to go through. But the good news came at the end of verse 19. But the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Each time. Not sometimes, but each time. So you might say to yourself right now, well, I'm in the midst of trouble. Why has he not come to my rescue? Probably because you're looking for a different rescue than what he's bringing. That's probably what's going on. We think of rescue as like, well, God, remove me supernaturally from this pain. That's not always the rescue. The rescue many times looks like your faith being strengthened. That when you don't think you can live another day, you stand up again and faith inside of you rises up. Faith gets strengthened. Sometimes the rescue means closeness with God as you walk through troubled times. It's interesting to me that when we walk through troubled times, as we lean into God, he gets so close to us. And the comfort of the Lord being close to us, spoken that comfort to us through other believers, through his word, through sermons, through times of worship, through times of prayer, the closeness of God just being in his nature, walking a trail in your moments of trouble. It's like all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I'm overwhelmed with this closeness of God that's enveloping me, wrapping around me. He's like a blanket comforting me right now. That's part of the rescue. You gotta value those things. Rescue can also mean just the fact, the sheer fact that God instills hope in your life and helps you look beyond this world to a world that is to come. But there are there are, though, many times, sometimes that God is asking for something out of our lives for him to initiate the rescue. Did you realize that? It's like God wants to rescue, but God's looking for something in our lives. He's looking for us to respond a certain way so that he can begin the rescue process of transforming our heart and our mind and our soul out of that or through the midst of that troubled times. I want you to look at what God's word says about the rescue. And again, we're still in James chapter one. Look at verse three and four. It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So look what verse four says. So let it grow. Let me just make sure we, under, we get it, right? For, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So, to you personally and to me, let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, then you will be perfect, complete, and needing nothing. Perfect, complete, and needing nothing. Uh, that just blows my mind away. So here's the rescue. It's right there in that passage. You go from your faith being tested to being perfect, complete, and needing nothing. That sounds like a rescue to me. I don't know about you, but when you're in a moment, when your faith is being tested, to have the hope that something more perfect than where I'm at, more complete, and in a point where I don't feel like I need anything, that sounds like a rescue. So what is it that God's asking us to do? Verse four, so let it grow. That's what he says. He speaks that word to you and me, let it grow. What is it, by the way? It was that endurance. Let endurance or perseverance grow in the opposition of trouble. Let basically, basically what he's saying is this, activate faith 
and continue to chase after God in the midst of your troubled times. It's something that we have to do. He's asking us to do that. Would you maintain faith? Would you just keep your eyes on me? I know you're getting distracted. There's the trouble. But get your eyes back on me. Get your heart back on me. Don't let go of your faith. Keep activating faith. Keep your eyes on me. And by the way, keep chasing me. And that's what endurance is. That's what perseverance is in the midst of trouble, is that we choose to keep chasing God. The enemy wants to do everything he can in the midst of our trouble to get our eyes on something else and get us off course. Perseverance and endurance says I'm going to chase after God even when my flesh doesn't want to, even when my, my soul feels weary, my spirit rises up and it says I choose to endure this moment, I will chase after God. It also means that basically to maintain faith that God is good and to keep praising him no matter what it is that you're struggling with. Because the promise is really this, that troubles and trials, they will come, but they have the greatest ability to cause your faith to grow deeper and stronger than really anything else on this planet. There's nothing else that's going to come against you or you're going to discover, you're going to read or ever experience in this life that's ever going to cause your faith to grow its deepest roots other than troubles. But in the end game, it's not just the sheer fact that we would muster up this tenacity and this fortitude that we would just chase after God in the midst of troubles and look how look how resilient we are and look how thick-skinned my faith is God God wasn't saying the end game was just to have more endurance and perseverance what God was saying in this passage is that he wanted you to grow spiritually mature which is different than just having that resilience of endurance and, oppos- and, and, and perseverance in the face of opposition, because many of you can do that long enough to withstand the opposition. That's not what God's interested in just growing in you. What he's interested in growing in you is something much deeper. It is spiritual maturity. And that's what I like about that passage where he goes, look, I'm going to move you from the testing of your faith. I'm going to take you and rescue you to perfect, complete, and needing nothing. That is the evidence that we're looking for, that spiritual maturity is growing within us, that there is this perfect, complete, and this need of nothing. And I'm going to say this to you, that the evidence really starts to be seen that when we walk through troubled times, the fruit of the Spirit comes shining out of us. When the fruit of the Spirit comes shining out of us, When we walk through troubled times, then we're starting to see this perfect, complete, and need of nothing faith being developed. Spiritual maturity is developing within us. The fruit of the Spirit is found in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you walk through troubled times, this is what you're looking for. You're looking for these things to start shining in your life and through your life. And when you allow the Holy Spirit to develop the fruit of the Spirit in the midst of trouble, that's when spiritual maturity is growing. That's that's when it's growing. I'm just going to say this. When you're seeing the fruit of the Spirit come shining through your life in the midst of trouble, nothing's more perfect than that. Nothing's more complete than that. And you don't really need anything else beyond that. 
See, now that changes the whole paradigm of what it looks like to be perfect, complete, and in need of nothing. That when you walk through these deep waters, what we really need more of is the fruit of the Spirit shining through our lives because he's developing spiritual maturity in us. And well, nothing's more perfect than that. Nothing's more complete than that. And you don't need really anything else. But I think many of us already know this, but fruit, um, it, it doesn't typically get developed in the monastery. It gets forged in the fire. Yeah. It'd be great if it got developed in the monastery. It'd be awesome if fruit of our life got developed in the most peaceful moments of our life. It'd be awesome when everything's just going really good that all of a sudden you realize, wow, look what's growing in me. Gentleness and kindness. Look what's growing in me. Self-control. Oh, wow, this is awesome. I'm going to spend more time in the monastery. I'm going to be at my retreat center. That's where I'm going to be. But that's not where it gets developed. It gets forged in the fire, very much like steel gets forged in the fire. Like any good knife that you have, it got put into the fire, it got heated to a certain temperature, it got cooled just the right, right way so that they could get that edge on it. Otherwise, it, keep, it doesn't keep the edge. Otherwise, the knife doesn't work. It got forged in the fire. That's how it became a good tool in your life. And I'm going to tell you, God uses the fire of trouble to forge spiritual maturity within us. So when we walk through the fires of trouble Here's what God really wants us to do, and it's right here in, in verses 5 through 8. He says this, basically, that you can't, you can't become divided in your loyalty. So he goes, look, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he'll give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. For a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. So look, when troubled time comes, what God is trying to drive home in this passage is this. You, you can't be double-minded, right? You, you, can't be, you can't be loyal to two different things. Your loyalty can't be divided. So in verse 6, he just basically says it. He says this, be sure that your faith is in God alone. It's so critical when we walk through troubled times. It's an evaluation moment. Who do we really trust in? Do we trust in God or do we trust in self? This is that wrestling that's going on when we go through the troubled times. Be sure, though, that your faith is in God alone, he says. Why? Because God's looking for undivided loyalty when we face troubles of many kinds. That's what God's looking for. And I love the fact that it started with wisdom. I thought wisdom was the perfect need to try, try to highlight, to bring up at this very moment. Because especially when we face earthly troubles. And here's the reason why wisdom was the perfect thing to bring up. When we face earthly troubles, it's because our self-reliance activates human wisdom to solve our troubles. When we go through our most difficult times, here's the, here's the divided loyalty. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix this. I'm going to kick in. My self-reliance, almost kind of like my survival skills, they kick in and they go, respond like this. Do this. You saw someone else do that. You do it, right? You did this last time. Do it again. And we just want to knee-jerk to our own earthly wisdom instead of God's. But I'm going to tell you right now, human wisdom is not enough when you're facing some of this life's most major troubles. It's not. So we got to listen. Listen to what James instructs us basically to do. 
He says it without saying it. He's basically saying this to you and me. The next time you go through troubles of any kind, seek God's wisdom first. That's what he tells us to do. And basically without saying it again, he says, look, don't react to your trouble. Stop for a moment and sense the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your life. He says, look, if you basically, if you don't do those things, the next time you're facing trouble, stop. Don't respond. Don't react. Seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Sense what he's doing and respond to it. He goes, look, if you don't do that, otherwise you're going to remain the person whose loyalty is divided between God and self. And you will always be the person that says, I have faith in God. I love God. I worship God. I'm here today. Jeff, trust me. The next time trouble comes, I have faith in God. But when trouble comes, your first response isn't going to be God. Your first response is going to be self-reliance. That's that divided loyalty that we all wrestle with. It's almost like we are, we are a spiritual version of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. We're here. We worship you. But then we just kind of do our own thing. The next time trouble comes, we respond a whole different way. So look, let's finish by looking at what verse 6 says about responding to the troubles of this life. It says this. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by wind. Can I just end by saying this? That the waves of life are always going to, they're always going to come. The waves of life are always going to be there. And look, we're Nebraskans, we understand it. The winds of life are always going to blow. I think it was just declared, although we already knew it. We are the windiest state in, in, the, in the nation. Right? We get it. So waves are always going to come. Winds are always going to blow. But when trouble comes, you don't have to get caught up in this strength of self. You don't have to get caught up in this self-reliance and this responding out of your own knowledge and your own strength. You don't have to allow your faith to be shaken for long. If we will activate spiritual endurance through times of trouble. If we activate spiritual endurance through times of trouble, then God will develop perfect faith inside of you. God will develop complete faith inside of you. God will have the ability to develop faith that causes you to need nothing else in this life. So my final thought to you is this. You aren't like the waves that get tossed back and forth and are controlled by the violent winds because Jesus is your anchor. You aren't like those. You're not like those who do that, right? Because you know the truth today. You know that Jesus is the anchor. So no matter what winds of life are coming your way, you aren't like the waves that get tossed back and forth by the violent winds. You're like the buoy that weathers the storm. You thought the whole time, you thought the whole time, my faith isn't strong enough. I feel like I'm going this way, and I'm going that way, and I'm going this way, and I'm going this way. And I would say this, give yourself a little grace. You're anchored by the, by the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's why you keep coming back to center. You're going to waver in this life. There's going to be moments. You're not perfect. But as we go through struggles and trials, as you drift this way and you drift that way, endure. 
persevere so that faith can be grown perfect in you. Faith can be grown complete in you. Faith in Jesus Christ can become all that you need. And when the storms of life come, you're anchored. Even though you blow around like this in this life, you're anchored spiritually with the good news of Jesus Christ. No matter what you face, you can't be moved if we remain that trust and that endurance and that perseverance in Christ and in Christ alone. That's when you can have great joy when you face troubles of all different kinds because you'll look beyond the trouble and you'll take great joy in the fact that this trouble is causing me to become more spiritually mature than I've ever been before. And that's the good news. Why don't you stand with me today? Let's pray. Father, this world that we live in, that you created, it was created perfect. We believe that. We don't believe that you create flaws and junk. We believe you create perfect. But in that perfectness, God, you wove something into the fabric of your creation that was going to be shaping humanity to be more and more dependent upon you. And that was the fact that you allowed trouble to be woven into your creation. That we would face troubles of many kinds. But that those troubles were meant to cause our faith to grow deeper. And for us to have a spiritual maturity that grew stronger so that we would, in the end, sound more like you, love more like you, live our lives more like you. And so, Lord, as we continue to live on this earth, we're guaranteed this one thing, troubles are going to continue to come. But we're also given this promise that you will rescue us every time if we turn our heart toward you. So, Lord, would you keep us like that buoy that gets tossed back and forth by the waves and the winds of this world? Would you keep us anchored in the truth? And Lord, would you keep bringing us back by the conviction of your spirit, back to the fact that you are in control, you will see us through, and this life is just the beginning, it's not the ending. Keep reminding us of that, God, and keep us anchored in your truth so that you can develop spiritual maturity in us and through us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.